Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, why the government shutdown could hurt Lyft and Elizabeth Warren's capitalism test for Democrats. But first, Netflix versus Hollywood. If you went to a movie theater last year and were surprised by the lines for soda and popcorn, you weren't alone. 2018 turned out to be a record year for box office, both in the U.S. and internationally, after more than a decade of flat or decreasing performance. Why it matters is this revenue revival suggests some problems with this conventional wisdom that audience trends are toward at-home streaming services like Netflix and away from the in-theater experience. And so the question now, particularly for Silicon Valley, is how tech plans to make more disruptive inroads in 2019. And Netflix might have given us a preview last week when it reported that over 45 million people viewed Bird Box, a post-apocalyptic thriller starring Sandra Bullock. Now, that is a very, very big number, albeit a self-reported one, which would theoretically translate into more than a $400 million open were it to have been in a theater. So for Netflix, it wants people to view Bird Box as the beginning of it doing to the movie industry what it did to the TV industry. In short, dominate it. But to do so, Netflix also needs some buy-in from the very movie theaters it's trying to disintermediate, particularly because it still needs theatrical releases for awards consideration, for things like the Oscars and the Golden Globes, and it's that consideration that's often a prerequisite for big-name Hollywood talent to sign on to new productions. So overall, consider Netflix's plans to still be a script in progress. We'll go deeper in 15 seconds on all things Netflix with Axios Media reporter Sarah Fisher. But first... This. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to DC. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by Axios Media Reporter Sarah Fisher. And Sarah, let's start here. Does Netflix basically want to take on the movie studio industry? Well, it's complicated. I mean, the theater owners would say, look, they can't compete with us. They don't even put their movies in the theaters. And what other analysts would say is, of course, they compete with the theaters. If people are going to get studio quality movies in the convenience of their home, they're not going to go out to the theater. But then you have some people that will say, look, people still go to concerts despite the fact that they get Spotify. The movie experience can be experiential, right? You can get 3D seats, fancy popcorn, etc. You can get your kids out of the house. And so what we're looking at is that Netflix still relies on theaters, right? They have to release some things to the theaters in order to get uh, award nominations, etc., and exposure. But yet they're going to be competing with them indirectly. If Netflix produces its own movie, you're saying it can't win an Oscar if it simply puts it through its system. No, not really. You're going to have to release it to the theaters. And this is what Netflix does. They'll release some of their top films in theaters, not all over, but in places like L.A. and New York so that they can get award consideration. But what Netflix has been trying to do is say, look, theaters, here's the theatrical release, right? Like you can show it in your theater and we're going to release it at the same time to everyone at home. Well, the theater owners are saying to heck with that. I mean, no one's going to be incentivized to come watch it in the theater if they can watch it at their house. And so what they for a long time were pushing is give us a few weeks of exclusivity. Give us some time to show it only and then you can show it on your system. Netflix for a while, by the way, said that they weren't going to do this. It wasn't until last November that they said, all right, we're going to give you a short little theatrical window of exclusivity. Give me a sense of where Netflix is going in terms of movie production. So obviously it had the Sandra Bullock film that came out recently. It's at least self-reporting very good numbers for that. Are we going to 
start seeing in movies, kind of high quality movies, what Netflix has been doing in television, which is basically lots and lots of production. That's exactly right. And that's the direction that they're moving in. And I mean, look, it makes sense. If you're Netflix, think about the competition that's coming at you from the TV side. Most of your viewership is binge watching things like Friends or The Office. Well, now you have companies like AT&T, which now owns HBO, or Disney, which is merging with Fox, that are going to create their own streaming rivals. And they're going to pull the rights from that programming. Remember, Netflix only has Friends for a year. And The Office, which is owned by Comcast, NBC Universal, like that's the next one up. And so you're facing, if you're Netflix, a lot of competition on the TV side, it makes sense that you're going to start to really look at movies because, quite frankly, the competition there is the studios, which don't have sort of the big heavy pockets that Netflix has. Given what you just said, are they going to face the same trouble from movie studios? And, and I know that Netflix is now more about binge watching a series than it is about you know streaming a movie. But are those movie studios who are now seeing Netflix as a competitor, are they going to pull the rights to their older films and I guess their new release films from the Netflix platform? They could. And I would expect that exactly to happen for companies like Disney, right? That then, then they've already started doing it, that they don't want to have their films and their IP be distributed on Netflix if they have their own direct-to-consumer products. So that's why you're seeing Netflix invest so much in developing these originals. And just so you understand like how big this operation is, I think the number that I saw in the New York Times is that Netflix was looking to do about 55 original films within the year. If you add in things like animated movies, documentaries, that number is up to about 90. So this is a big operation. Are theater owners, I understand their complaints, but are they complaining a little too loudly considering that we just had an all-time record box office year? seems like it's all-time record. It seems really good, but it's not really good, just being honest. The reason why we have an all-time high record year is not because more people are going to the box office. Admissions are relatively flat and are predicted to remain flat. What they're doing is just charging way more for tickets. But people are paying it, right? And people are paying it for that reason you said earlier, right? It, it's the experience. The reason I go and pay $50 for a live concert, even though I can hear the same songs on Spotify, is the experience of the live concert. In this case, it's those better seats. It's the food and everything else, the bigger screen. People are paying for it, but you have to look at it from a margins perspective. Fewer people are paying for it now than they did. If you take a look at the growth of the population is booming, but the number of people that attend movies is flat. It's not growing at the same rate as the number of people that could be attending movies is growing. And also, by the way, if you take a look at the demographics, it's largely older people who are still going to the movies. So this is the problem that the theaters have, is that you see a slowing industry ahead of you, but it's not completely dead yet, right? Similar to live TV. And so how are you going to adapt to this new reality? Netflix just named a new CFO from Activision Blizzard. Your thoughts? It's interesting that they got someone from the gaming industry because Netflix is beginning to test these sort of choose-your-own-adventure types of content, which is not the same as gaming, but it is going to require a new level of machine learning and artificial intelligence to give people the option to choose different endings. They just did this with Black Mirror, one of their hit TV shows. So it could be interesting to have someone that has that experience sort of teach them, show them the ropes. And finally, it was reported yesterday by the FT that Netflix pulled an episode of a comedy show called Patriot Act, which is Hassan Minaj's show. You might remember it from The Daily Show. They pulled it from Saudi Arabia after being asked to by the government. Your reaction to that? We just saw something like this happen last year with Snapchat. Saudi Arabia asked Snapchat to pull Al Jazeera's Discover Channel, which is sort of their media content arm within Snapchat, and Snapchat complied. And that's because they, you know, will adhere to the laws of the places in which they are going to operate. One trend I've noticed is that media companies and content companies tend to cave more to these types of demands than the tech platforms. You'll notice during the Arab Spring, companies like Facebook and Twitter and Google, they were pressed hard as well to sort of block out voices in these types of places in the Middle East, but they didn't because 
because accessibility is their business model. Content platforms, you know, Snapchat Discover, we're seeing now with Netflix, they seem more likely to cave to sort of these demands. Fair enough. Sarah Fisher, Axios Media Reporter, thanks so much for joining us. My final two right after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique Smart Brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is the government shutdown, which is now slumbering into its 12th day. So among the federal agencies affected is the SEC, which oversees things like investor protections. It's also the body that declares new IPO registrations effective and gives feedback on confidential filings to companies like Lyft and Uber. So as long as the SEC remains closed, those companies are in a holding pattern on their IPOs. And if it lasts for another couple of weeks, expect their Q1 IPO plans to become Q2 IPO plans or later. Finally, Senator Elizabeth Warren over the weekend launched an exploratory committee for her likely presidential run, and her candidacy could become a very interesting litmus test for many on the left, particularly those Bernie Sanders acolytes who actually view Warren as too close to corporations because she wants to reform capitalism rather than scrap it altogether. Yeah, so I know this might strike some on the right or in the center as downright bizarre, but remember, small factions can have outsized impact in primary processes with dozens of candidates. So it'll be interesting to see if Warren's brand of leftist economics can satisfy some of her party's purists. And we're done. Thanks so much for listening. And to my producers, Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers, have a great National Science Fiction Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.